Okay, welcome to the Moss 15 reunion, everyone. This is Autumn, and uh, that's Autumn Preble. My site was in Inyamban City in Inyamban, and I worked in health. I was a health community volunteer. I worked with AMODEM. I can't remember the what the acronym stands for, and, and helped women and girls um, start small businesses and other things. And then I worked some of the time, a, a, a small part-time with um, ICAP. Um, and I worked in the Centro de Saúde Urbano with the, the psicologo on the staff there. And then I'm James, I'm gonna interview Autumn. And before we get to her interview, we have a quick word from Mo's 16er, Shane. Friends of Mozambique, which is a 501c3 nonprofit founded by Mo's RPCVs, is a way of continuing to make a positive impact in Mozambique post Peace Corps service. The most important thing that we do is fund small grants to community groups in Mozambique. Projects have ranged from everything from teaching girls to code to youth empowerment through soccer. As a small organization, we are very intentional about choosing small, always less than $1,500 but impactful projects to get the most bang for our donors' buck. The best thing about Friends of Moe's is that 100% of donations go directly to projects in Mozambique. We have essentially zero overhead and have a great board, including former country director Carl Swartz, Peace Corps staff Ophelia Shuva, and uh, several RPCVs who you may know. If you want to learn more about Friends of Moe's, go to friendsofmozambique.com. You can learn more about our projects and make a donation if you are able um, thanks, everyone. Autumn, what makes you happy? You know, what makes me happy is waking up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, life has come to that, and it's really good. Waking up in the morning, I'm happy. And then I'm really happy if the sky is blue. And if anyone didn't remember you, Autumn, how would you describe your Peace Corps self? Well, I'm one of the nice white older ladies all, over 60. There were two of us. I will add another qualifier. You were one of three most 15ers who had done Peace Corps before. Right. I'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. What have you been up to the last 10 to 11 years? How did you get from Inyanbon City to wherever you are now? When our service ended in December 2012, or maybe it was November, the reason I left, actually, I would have considered a third year, but my son was getting married in the States and in December. And so, of course, I was coming home for that. And that brought me back to my home, which is in Langley, Washington, on Whidbey Island, and I have a home here. I've had a home here for almost 45 years. Raised my family here, was married for about 20 years. And I have a community and friends, and that's what I was returning to. I was still under 65 when I returned. I turned 60 while I was in, the, uh, in Mozambique. So I had a few years left to work before I could get Medicare and Social Security. And I 
one of the main things I did was work with uh, Hedgebrook Women's Writers Retreat Center, which is here on the island. And what I've been doing is really enjoying retirement. I didn't think that would be true for me, that I would, that I would retire. I thought I would always be busy and working and so on. But it turns out I like retirement a lot. And I take care of every day, what comes up every day, house, home, body, medical, garden, friends, and my family. And yeah, life is good. Life is full. So for us that are nowhere near retirement yet, what do we have to look forward to most? Well, it depends on when, whether you're one of those people, who, if you're a doer or a beer or somewhere in between. It turns out I'm, I'm definitely a beer. Okay, explain a beer for me because I'm actually not 100% what that is. I like to just be. I don't need to do. I like to to walk on the beach. I guess that's doing, but I'm enjoying the beauty and being there. And I, I, my life is fairly slow and not over full. And yet I have, I have my activities and things that I attend to. A lot of it is community and friends and family. When the need arises, I help people take food to people who are sick or give people rides to medical appointments. I read a lot. I watch a lot of videos. Yeah, life just slows down. I mean, really, another thing that makes me happy is having a whole stretch of days with no serious checklist. Yeah, that's really different from certainly where most of you are right now with where you're at the busiest time of your life. And there does come a point when you, hopefully, if you have the good fortune, which I have had, to be able to choose to slow way down and enjoy my garden and my friends and my cat. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you did Peace Corps directly after finishing a previous Peace Corps. I did. So how was it returning to the U.S. after being gone for about five years or so? And longer than that, too, because the year, so I, right before um, being in Mozambique, I had a month off and I had previously been in, in doing my service in Botswana, in Francistown, Botswana. And then before that, I was a year in Kampala, Uganda, coordinating a, a, a youth program, actually working mostly training youth leaders in the city uh, who work with kids with HIV and AIDS. So I'd been there, I was there a year, then I went to Botswana for two, two plus years. And there I worked also as a community health volunteer. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'd gone through training and I'd gone through the whole, the whole program. And so when I arrived and met all of you, I was pretty trained in a sense. Training was a repeat for me. But of course, there were completely new things also. I, I was starting over in a sense, right along with everybody, and especially because it was, it was Portuguese learning. And that was a challenge for me to learn Portuguese. And not just because I'm older, but I've always been kind of slow at learning languages. I speak several languages, but I really have to work at it. 
So yes, when I arrived in Mozambique, I was still integrating and processing what I had just been through in, in Botswana. So coming back to the States was easier, harder? One really cool thing happened. So in the Seattle area, Jema, Nathan, Patty were all getting their master's international at the University of Washington. And Patty being there, of course, meant Daniel was there with us a lot too. So we ended up being able to spend some time together. They came up to the island a couple of times and we had real get togethers and, and we were, and, and also I was in the city a little bit with them. And it was a great way to, 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 to come home, was to have friends who'd just been through all that with me. And so it was a year later, in a way, when they all went on to their various plans and left the Northwest. So no, Nathan was here a while, and Nathan, Nathan and I saw each other a little bit. But it was, you know, it really... I didn't think I had changed that much, but I had been gone for in in Africa for quite a while. So I went over in 2006, right? And we came home in at the end of 2012. So I had been there that many years. And it slowly began to dawn on me how much I had changed. Like it was almost like like the everything had changed and all my friends and community had changed. When I left, I'd been a mother of a child still in school. College, right? Was he in college? He was in university at that point, right? And so I still felt very much like a, an active mother in, of, a, of a younger child in a way. But when I got back, there was none of that. And the community of people that I was close with here on the island that we'd all raised our kids with together, all of us were on to other things and they had all moved on to their various activities and we didn't have, share the project of kids anymore and i didn't expect that not that you think ahead that much but i didn't realize i'd come back and find myself so kind of i, I would say for what kind of at a loss i did give myself a couple years to just really uh, relax and so on and then I started looking for work really seriously. I was, because of that time in Africa and because of the work I had done, I was really ready to, to work in international aid and development and spent quite a bit of time looking for jobs in the Seattle area with the Seattle, with the few organizations that are there and did not get a job and did not get a job. And it was very frustrating to me. And it took me, uh, again, a few years to realize, you know, people were not hiring a 61-year-old, 62-year-old, 63-year-old, even with my experience. And I did not have a master's degree. And so it took some time, some time for that to dawn on me, actually, that I was no longer desirable by my age, even though I was of energy and knowledge and would have been a really good per employee. And it's possible if I'd lived in, in Washington, D.C. or somewhere that had a lot more work. 
I would have found a job, but quite honestly, I wasn't willing to relocate. And so I began to, to look for jobs and work here on the island. But it was a great disappointment to me because I was just full of energy for what I could have brought to, to international work somehow. I think a lot of people may have completely disregarded your application because you didn't have a master's. Right. Your previous career before the Peace Corps, were you in public health as well? I was not in public health. No, I had been in conflict resolution and coaching and coaching people in conflict. I had worked for 30 years in nonprofits. Well, that's very closely related. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's my second hy hypothesis, and I don't know what uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, so someone can correct me. But how much of public health jobs is networking? I think some of that is really true. That's why I'm saying at the time I thought if I had been in Washington, D.C., it's likely I, I would have been able to establish some connections with people I knew. And uh, I did a little networking in Seattle. But um, you're right, there, there, it, it wasn't, there weren't strong networks. Um, you know, when I graduated from university in 1974, a, a master's degree was not nearly as needed in order to get the work you need. And all my life I had thought, okay, go get a master's, go back, get a master's. But a job offer would come along. So I went the experiential route of, of, of working rather than studying. And yes, I think that that was stacked against me when, when the time came. Yeah, it was a disappointment, actually. Well, it's also a market failure. It's uh, the people in charge are making, uh, they made a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have been a really good employee. I know I would have been. And so yeah, that's that that was that was a little hard. I had to I had to look in the mirror about that and go, okay, I hear you, world. This is the way it is. So you mentioned you changed a lot. Did your politics change at all? No, my politics are have always been very left and they continue to be very left and um I don't, you know, there's not a whole lot more to say about that, but it hasn't been different. Yeah. One thing I can say is that I was, I was in Africa the whole time that Obama was president. And that was really interesting because the Africans that I got to know and that I worked with on my coworkers were so excited about having a, an African-American as president. Right. And so that was a, that was an interesting, um, slant on my experience of being over there. But politics, no. Um, I, I mean, I might, you might even say I'm even more left. I'm not sure you can be. I really, I really believe that uh, in a caring society and, uh, and where everyone, where everyone is taken care of. And until that happens, I'm, you know, that's, that's who I want. That's who I vote for the people who come, you know, at least veer in that direction and can act on some of their promises. Do you keep in touch with any Mozambicans? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, Vilma, 
people who some of the people who uh, were in Inyamban might remember Vilma Nyambi. I keep in touch with her quite a bit. I also keep in touch with Anna, Anna Alicia, who um, operates Bio Oliosh, who is actually a an American. She was a Peace Corps volunteer quite a few uh, services before ours. She's still there in Inyumban, and she and I are in touch. And Pedrito and Cecilia, we we text. And Angelina, a couple of people work actually for Anna now who were in my courses for for women starting small businesses. And then they now have full-time jobs with Anna in her business. So that is, I, I have contact with all those people. And it sounds like your Portuguese is is maintaining do you do you communicate with them in portuguese i do with with pedrito and cecilia i can i can write a text i always i always was best at texts my portuguese was best at in in texting <laughs> my my portuguese was a lot better texting as well was it yeah uh-huh yeah it, for real that happened and and so i can do that of course with a little help with google translate but my Portuguese isn't very good, really, at this point. I do do a word a day, Portuguese word a day. It's it's a Brazilian word a day, but still, that kind of keeps my my brain kind of turning over a little bit with it. I have a question that I didn't share with you before, but but it, it's kind of come up. It seems like you did a lot of good, and you have evidence of a lot of good. Did you get more than you gave? from your experience in Mozambique, or maybe even Botswana as well? Of course, yes, absolutely. I don't think it's absolute, but go ahead. Okay, I, I would say I, I did give, I did, I did have, I did give a lot and I, and I did, I, I, I brought quite a bit of focus, especially to my second service because of the, I had the advantage of having had the first service. Um, but to answer if I received, I received so much. So I would say kind of balance, it's a balance. Um, you know, I really do think that the Peace Corps, the, the reason for the Peace Corps, at least for me, in my mind is, is for friendship, is for people from different color, different cultures and different backgrounds, living together, getting to know each other and, that that is primary. And, and so for me, it was just, uh, you know, it's really kind of, it was a privilege to, to work there. And I did roll up my sleeves. Our jobs as uh, Peace Corps volunteers is to roll up your sleeves and do kind of what needs to be done. And I did come with an attitude of what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I bring the skills and background that I have to bear on this? I myself did not have overarching ideas of what I wanted to accomplish. I was mostly, mostly listening and, and, and helping out where I could. And yes, some of that translated into, into real help. Like by my second service, for example, I, I found that I had both Vilma and Caudero, 
Caldero Cumbana, who was at the, who was the psicologo at the at the Centro de Saúde Urbano. He was beleaguered there. Um, he was he was doing all the psych, psychosocial um, overseeing it in the district around Inyamban. And he was so overworked and had a lot of pressure from the government with his job. And he was open to me more or less being his coach. And 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 we regularly got together, mapped out the, this array and entanglement of things that he needed to accomplish and sorted it out and set priorities and and uh, I gave him a lot of affirmation for what he was what he was getting done and uh, um, um, encouraging him to allow to let some things go to learn to say no in a in a way that that worked in his system when he couldn't take on yet one more thing in this huge district that he was working with all the HIV and AIDS psychosocial services so a lot of my work in in Inyaman was with individuals like with Caudero in that way really backing him up I felt like I was spotting him in a way and the same was true for working with Vilma she and I co-wrote a curriculum um, in, in both languages uh, for um, women starting small businesses and in many ways I also I, I I taught and coached her just she was just getting going going in her career how to create a program from A to Z and all the details what you do how you how you put something on the road more or less and make it happen and and then she did most of the teaching because Obviously, she was so good in Portuguese, and she was beautiful and cool and groovy. And so the the young women who were in our courses loved her. And then we would talk about it, and she wanted feedback. And so I was doing a lot of helping her really get her skills strong. So I would say at least two people, I know I touched their lives and their work lives, their careers. And so that was very gratifying. And then there were other things too, but they were they were um, as we all know, we hit a lot of of um, dead ends or things pe kind of petered out or kind of didn't happen for lack of whatever. There's this idea that I like. I've, college is wasted on on the youth, and I completely agree that every uh, I've gone back to college three times, and every time I was more and more prepared to to be in college mm -hmm. yeah totally. is peace corps wasted on the youth do we need more professionals going in that can do more or do we need more young people because uh young people are crazy enough to do it i think both is true i think all of the above like i say it's back to friendship between the host country people and ourselves and really getting to know each other and that happens at all ages and no, I don't think Peace Corps is wasted on youth um, or young adults. Um, I, um, 
the the Botswana group that I was a part of was a uh, part of it was an experiment for the Peace Corps in that there was a larger cohort of people over 50. So there were about 15 of us, I think, that were all in had had full professional lives. And we were in our most all of us were in our 60s and 70s. And that was kind of fun for us because because I actually was placed in mid mid level government. And and so my professional skills were called upon and used for sure. But I, the person who followed me in in and took my my place in my service there in the service there in Francistown, Botswana, um, she did fine as a person relatively recently out of college. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's either or actually, James. Yeah, I don't think it's e either or either. Mm -hmm. It's a good question, though. I mean, it it's is. worth talking about. It'd be interesting to have a lo longer conversation about it. I do think Peace Corps could accomplish more with more professionals, for sure. But I wouldn't say we're wasting the youth, because for the reasons we've already discussed, that we get a lot out of it. This will be an interesting one, because you're the first interviewee that's done Peace Corps more than once. Why did you join the Peace Corps? And you can say, uh, and you can add into why you stayed and did MOSIV as well. Well, all my life I wanted to be a Peace Corps volunteer, right? So I'm one of those. I actually remember the Life magazine double page spread of a picture of John Kennedy giving a speech and talking about the Peace Corps. And that lit me up from the time I must have been about eight. I can't quite remember exactly, but I always knew that I wanted to be in the Peace Corps. Fast forward many, many years, I'm graduating from university. It's just obvious to me that I walk to the Peace Corps office and say, uh, sign up. And they said, sorry, we're not taking generalists. And, I, and we're only taking people who are hydrologists and scientists. And, and I was, curious about that because up to that point it seemed like you just kind of signed up and went i was also very disappointed but years later i discovered that during those years the like 72 73 74 75 the peace corps actually consciously contracted severely in the numbers they were sending overseas and whether this is true or not but what i have read and come to piece together is that there were so many volunteers from those years of graduating from university who were going abroad and, and, and protesting Vietnam. That was the very end of Vietnam or that, or those early seventies. And that, that the, the Peace Corps didn't like that Peace Corps volunteers were showing their politics and being anti-war there. Whether that's true or not, I kind of believe it because the, uh, the numbers were halved by the time I came along of people actually going abroad. So I've taken that as the reason I didn't go. I went on and did an awful lot in my life, but come the year 2000, I was seeing the window coming in my life where my elder father was doing fine. He didn't really need me. My son was off to university. He didn't really need me in the same way. And so I started writing my application on New Year's Eve 2000, but it wasn't until 
when I was in Uganda, in Kampala, that uh, I sent in my Peace Corps application and um, was accepted for Botswana. So you were in Africa at the time, so you probably wanted to stay in Africa? I did, yeah. How much choice did you have about going to Mozambique? So I had a lot of choice. It was in my case because because I was in Botswana, and if you think of a map of Southern Africa, Botswana is separated from Mozambique by Zimbabwe, right? And so they're they're right in the same area. Um, it turned out that that my um, what do you call it country country director was the one that I had to communicate with. And she communicated with the country director in Mozambique, whether they would just move me over sideways because, and they said, yes, because I had the same job description. I was gonna be a community health volunteer and I had just done it. And there was another consideration and that was I only, I had to, I had to have a month break. It couldn't be more and it couldn't be less. And so I came home for a month and then went right, went right on to, to uh, Mozambique. But it was brokered between the two country directors and the, um, the Botswana country director had said to me that I was able to go to Mozambique because uh, the job description was the same and because she rec recommended me. And I and then on in my mind, I had always wanted to learn to speak Portuguese. So that was one of my reasons I had. I wanted to stay in Africa. I wanted to keep doing this, the work, and I wanted to learn Portuguese. And there it was with the same job description. Did you have any fears about going to Africa and doing the whole Peace Corps thing? Going to Botswana, I can remember the day before I left, I was packing and I can remember looking down, looking at my hands and they were just shaking. It was like the whole day they were shaking. So I must have been carrying, you could call it excitement, but it just felt like fear. It was, whoa, what am I headed into? And so going to you, so the year before that, going to Uganda, I was I was kind of naive. I'd not been to Africa, and really there, I just I, I don't I wasn't afraid of being there. Um, going thinking ahead of doing the Peace Corps and whether I would be able to um, manage it, do it um, before Botswana. Yeah, that definitely. Like I said, it wasn't about very specific things that I was afraid of. It was just an overall sense of of nervousness. So then when I was coming to, to Mozambique, what I had, my friends from, from Botswana were saying to me, you're either really crazy to do, to be willing to do training all over again and to go through this all over again, or you're really smart and um, probably a little of both. And, but I wasn't really nervous. Um, I, did, I, I knew at that point it was going to be, you know, a, a biggie. And I was up for it. I had a lot of energy and eagerness for it. How was doing training twice? That, that would be one of my biggest deterrents maybe from doing Peace Corps again. That's right. 
That, and that's why these friends said, you're crazy, you know. And, and our, our training in Mozambique actually was a little more manageable than the training was in Botswana. They, it, it, I came across, when I was kind of looking through a few of my papers and things, I came across something that I had written to the, my friends in Botswana that was kind of comparing the two services. And it was just at the beginning of Mozambique. And, and I was saying, training's a challenge, but it's not, and what I mean by a challenge was it was, it was incredibly disorganized in Botswana. And I don't remember it being quite so in Mozambique, though I think it was. I think I just kind of grinned and bore it. I, you know, and I kind of hunkered down. I was still processing my my previous two and a half years and having said goodbye to a lot of people and my memory of my being in in training was i was kind of quiet and in the background mostly uh that's my memory anyway um and just kind of putting up with it and eager to get to my site autumn you mentioned processing and in, in Mozambique during training, where we're also supposed to be learning Portuguese and learning about Mozambican culture, and then also meeting new people and doing all these things. So how does that work? Right. How, I, how was I processing what I just, just yes, been sorry. doing in, in, in Botswana, right, which was such a, a large experience. And then I, I was carrying all of that in me uh, when I arrived in, in Mozambique. So I think I, I, I mentioned that, that I, I probably was, I probably was quieter than I might have been. And I, and I might not have been as, as uh, connecting with our group as I might have been had it been the first time, because I had so much going on that I was thinking about and, and, uh, and, and, and quite honestly, I was there because I wanted to work. And so I was ready to get to sight and eager to get to sight. And um, during during training, during Namasha, for example, I spent most of my time with my family. I I, I got lucky with a good family, and who were were pleased enough to have me there. And and I just found that so interesting and lovely to be with them. Got to know a few of the people who lived right around me. Um, we lived down in the, the in the unpaved part of town that um, meant I wasn't going up into the into the the Namash as much. Yeah, I think looking back on that, especially after I heard all of you talking about your experiences, which I've appreciated so much your stories, as we all do, because it 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 stimulates my own memory. It, it, it teaches me things about you and what you were do all were doing. And, and if I have one wish, it would, it would have been to get to know some of you better than I actually did. And I think that that was the result of my being kind of betwixt and between for a few months, especially during, during uh, training. I have a story of our first encounter in Namasha. You may or may not remember it, but but I do. 
uh, we there was this fishbowl gone wrong, and I'm sure almost every most uh most 15er will remember that we had it was led by Kat. So she grabs like the four most diverse people that she can find in our group, puts them together to have a conversation, and then starts it off with like a heated debate. And, and it wasn't going well. And so I was sitting next to uh, next to Sophia, and we thought it, you know, we we'd lighten up the place. So we kind of ran around and made a joke of it. And then I sat down next to you, and you said something along the lines of like, um, "I was having a, a serious conversation," or "I was saying some, something serious." And I and I felt terrible because I because um, you were taking it serious, but on the outside it kind of wasn't going well with a lot of people, and I was making a joke of that. And I would like to apologize because I probably never apologized. Oh, how sweet of you to do that. Yeah, well, you are totally, totally forgiven. And, you know, thinking about it, probably it did need lightening up and you were reading it well. You know, we were reading different parts of the of the of the picture of the group picture. But I have really good memories of you. And and um, even though we didn't really get to know each other very well, but um I remember um, a, an, a really uncomfortable time. Um, I thought I perceived it to be an uncomfortable time when you were shamed by Claudia for your hair, right? And how you looked. <laughs> and I was incensed. I was incensed. I don't know if I ever told you that. I might have. Um, but um, um, I actually reported that because I felt like that kind of shaming was totally uncalled for. You know, I've spent I spent years in professional circles and the way that was handled was very poor. And so I think of you periodically. I can just see you sitting down there kind of sinking down in your seat with your face turning red, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, James, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. It's uncalled for. So there's a there's a little confession of something I might never have shared with you. In Claudia's defense, she probably did me a favor because I'm not very good at keeping care of hair in the U.S. And my hair would have been a mess. So it was probably better I got rid of it. <laughs> well, maybe that's true. But there are other ways to communi communicate it besides shaming, you know. So in front of the whole group, maybe you were okay with it. I was okay with it. I don't recall that at all. Oh, you don't? I recall her pressuring me. I don't recall her shaming me in front of a group. I just remember it was like every time I'd see her, she'd like cut your hair, cut, cut your hair. So she was very persistent about it. Ah, so she's been <laughs> doing it. See, I didn't know the backstory, did I? I don't even recall the order. I don't know if she told me the first time in front of her. I, I have, I have no idea. Oh, but I definitely did not take anything Claudia said personal. I, I liked her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were those that did and those that didn't. Yeah, that was definitely part of training. Yeah. Autumn, do you have anything else you'd like to share about Namasha before we move to your Mozambican service? I have a memory that comes back to me pretty strongly. I'm walking to the to the training, the daily training site. I'm walking by myself and it's through the through the unpaved part of the village and it's a fairly long walk i was i i had to I, it took me about 25 minutes i think to walk in the mornings and um and i remember thinking oh my god this is such a privilege to be here this is so amazing and 
there's there, besides a Peace Corps volunteer, there's almost nobody else in the world that gets the kind of experience that we are having. Maybe an anthropologist, maybe a grassroots aid aid worker, probably those other two categories of people, but it's not a very common thing to have immersion in a in a village like that and get to know a family. And I'm yeah, I'm really grateful for it. Okay, so when we talk about these next questions, you can answer for Africa in general if you'd want or uh, Botswana, whatever you feel like. So what three words would you use to describe your Peace Corps experience? Okay, I'd say adventure. I'd say immersion. And I would say gratitude. What do you miss most about Africa? Well, I'm going to say Mozambique. Okay, 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 let's stick with Mozambique then. Because I loved the Mozambique landscape where I lived in Inyamban and I loved the sandy soil underfoot and the 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 wind ruffling the coconuts palms that were all around my my house. The um the Indian Ocean right there, that perfect warm air. Um, and then I miss the people and living fully in another culture that's completely foreign to mine, where I'm constantly changing, constantly growing. Um, the people I met, the friends I made. Yeah, I loved Mozambique. What do you miss least about Mozambique? The noise. I had neighbors, I did Kaniso hut, I, I could touch it from my quintal and they had their stereo on full blast most of the time, a lot of the time. And before I lived in that place, I lived in a place where they slaughtered a pig every couple of days outside my window. And if you've heard, heard a pig being slaughtered, it, 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 it took it like an hour to to die and the sound of it and it was just that was it was no it was noisy and it was sad and it was difficult that was difficult those two things i luckily only experienced very few of those with my our neighbors occasionally would yeah mine was right next to a a little cafe where they served where they roasted and served pig meat so it was it was a, not every day, probably every three days. There was literally, I'm telling you, out my window. It was, I, I did ask to be moved and I was moved. Well, that's good. Yeah. Two years of that would be pretty bad. Yeah, it would be. What are a few things you did a lot in Mozambique that you either never or rarely do now? Swim in the Indian Ocean. Eat castanas. Those are a couple. Now you were in Africa for maybe over five years. What was your malaria medication adherence plan? I, I can't imagine taking a med for five years. I know it's crazy. I, I mean, the, the thing was, is that my whole malaria education and download was in Kampala where it was tropical and where mal malaria is a serious consideration all the time, right? Lots of mosquitoes and lots of malaria. And so I just kind of got with the program and did it. And, and it, 
what if I were to do it over, I would definitely um, um, not, I would think seriously about not taking my malaria meds, or I would pay for malarone. I think they give malarone to, to older volunteers over 65. But being 60, they didn't give it to me. And it's much better for your system. So I'm afraid to, to admit, I mean, I'm not afraid to admit to you. But to myself, I'm afraid that I've definitely had to deal with sort of getting my gut back to health after all those years of doxycycline. Cycling. Yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the things that wasn't so good about being over there for me. So, so you're taking it for five years? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, so that's a long time to take a antibiotic. It is. Yeah, it was it was n- n- not that smart, I think. This uh, I've, I've mentioned this a couple times, but uh, they do offer Malaroon now to all the volunteers. Yeah, there's been such a, uh, an outcry against it, and that's really good. So I wish I had just paid for my own. What was the worst thing you did in Mozambique? And you can define worse by uh, health-wise. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was that. However, however, you would like to define worst. Well, I would probably say procuring illegal substance um, was probably my my edgiest thing. And um, you know, I tend to be a rule follower because I get because I I don't like to get in trouble. And um, if I'd gotten in trouble, not only is it you know bad to have to deal with getting arrested in uh, in Mozambique period, but then being sent home by the Peace Corps. So that was, you know, but I did. I feel like you kind of mentioned this, but uh, do, do you want to expand at all on how Peace Corps has changed you? It took me way out of myself, way beyond myself, expanded my thinking, my heart, it expanded me hugely and um in and 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 also i learned to i learned to cope with loneliness you know that kind of loneliness that you actually feel like an ache that was something that that i learned to live with occasionally and then i know you asked the covid question how were you prepared for covid right um sorry i skipped over that one but I would say, you know, partly COVID was fine for me because I could spend so much time out of doors. I, I don't live where, where it's very populated. So I could spend time outside and nature was sort of my companion. But I also definitely, I never got as lonely here um, during COVID as, as moments that I experienced now and again in, when I was in the Peace Corps. I think, I think goes with the with the program did you ever feel loneliness before you went to africa it had been many many years previously actually it was another international experience when i was going to the university in freiburg germany i did sometimes there too that was probably the only other time in my life Mm -hmm. i've been interested in solitary confinement and and i've been kind of exploring the differences between voluntary solitary confinement versus forced is a trade-off worth it is 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 that feeling of of loneliness and isolation worth the whatever you learned from it absolutely oh no question so when it's voluntary so so this is an example of voluntary isolation that 
I think dealing with loneliness is a part of life. And, and sometimes we're even lonely when we're with people. Um, I mean, but that's not what I'm talking about so much. It's just, I think it's a, it's a, it's something we have to learn and kind of admit to ourselves and take care of ourselves when we're there, be really kind to ourselves when we're there. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Peace Corps as a government agency? Yeah, I'm still in favor of it. And it goes back to what I was saying previously about, I think that the overarching good that comes out of the Peace Corps is friendship among people who are very different from each other. And uh, people get to know Americans, not just what they see in the media. We get to know the, the host country people and get to know them and live with them and not just what our imaginations are. And friendship, I think friendship is the road to peace, ultimately. All right, I have a new question. It may or may not have been on the document I shared with you, but a multi-billionaire reaches out to you and says, Autumn, I think you're a great person. I trust you. I'm giving you $10 billion. You do whatever you want with it. What are you going to do with this, this $10 billion? Well, I would do some serious remodels to my 65-year-old house um, that one can do with deep pockets. That would be really fun. And then I would just begin to write checks to people, to places, to support, um, set probably pad my retirement income a little bit, but keep it moving. I would just keep it moving and write checks, no strings attached. Do you have any Fofoca to share? You know, I have some sad Fofoca and um, Vilma, uh, my my dear co-worker and counterpart in uh, in Inyamban, uh, who lives in Bera and um, her husband Nyasa um, was caught in one of the, the the skirmishes in the war in the north in Cabo Delgado and and murdered in a massacre. And um, there are going to be some people in our group who for whom they're going to care and want to know that about that and about Vilma, just how unfortunate person in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. Really bad. The war is bad. The war is bad. You, you know, that what's going on up in the north is those people's lives are completely disrupted. How are you getting informed about that that conflict? Because uh, I'll, I'll admit, Nathan brought it up the first time was the first time I'd heard about it. The the newsletter that he referred to, um, Hanlon, what's his, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Joseph, I want to say Joseph Hanlon. It's a newsletter that is full of the news of Mozambique uh, that comes out every few days. Maybe it's once a week. And it was Anna who introduced that to me. And then I, I in fact, had told Nathan about it. Can you repeat what that is one more time? I, I should put a link to to share with everyone. Joseph Hanlon is his name, and I'll send you, I'll actually send you the link. Okay, thank you. It's a good way to keep up with what's going on there. Okay, Autumn, do you have any post-Mozambique media recommendations for the listeners? Okay, um, I read a great book um, uh, by Moshin Hamid 
called Exit West. Uh, it's about refugees, and it's just a beautiful book um, with a little bit of magical realism in it, and yeah, it's just such so well so well written, and I loved it. And it's kind of short too. He purposely wrote it short so that so that he said people don't always want to read long books. <laughs> I also love Finding Me about Viola Davis, or maybe it's Viola Davis. I'm not sure how she pronounces her first name. Um, she's the actress, and she it's her it's her story, her, her autobiography. I love that that book. And a show that I watched twice because it was so informative and just the people involved in it is a masterclass. Um, called Black History, Black Freedom, and Black Love. And I, you know, the Masterclass series? Yeah, okay, so this is a Masterclass series. Yeah, and it was offered free um, during Black History Month in February. And, but I've heard that you can still gain access to it by just going to it. Or if anybody's interested, to send me a message and I can send you my link. Okay, thank you. Do you have anything else for us? Well, I would say it, it does my heart a lot of good to hear all your stories and that you did this, James, and, you know, the, everyone's voices and stories and what, what they've done in the 10 years. Uh, so much more change in that 10 years of you all's life than mine. Um, you know, finishing school and several work opportunities and and maybe getting married and maybe having kids and it's such a I just it's just done my heart a lot of good and and you know quite honestly I feel like I got to know a lot of you through these interviews I feel like I know a lot of you better than I did and I'm so appreciative and I I really want to say to everyone to come visit me if you you can just contact me out of the blue not have been in contact forever no shame and just say hey i'm coming to whidbey island which is not too far from seattle and um i have a guest bedroom and i just would love to see people from our group again another thing i'd like to share is how much i loved listening to barbara's interview and was reflecting on how she was the age I am now, 72, I think she said she was 72, but more or less, when she was doing our Peace Corps service. And I'm just amazed, my hat's off. I, I respect you so much, Barbara, for doing that and being able to stay with it. And I'm not sure I could do it now at 72. I'm not sure I quite have, would have the will, the physical fortitude and capacity so I think that is very cool. And I think I might not have appreciated that much when I was 60, what the difference is between 60 and 72. So yay, Barbara. I agree. I, I brag about Barbara to people all the time. So James, yeah, too bad we don't have, uh, you know, hours and, uh, and a couple beers and, you know, and some of our friends around, that would be really fun. But this comes close and you're just great to do this, so. Well, I will definitely contact you next time I'm anywhere near Seattle.
Well, thank you, Autumn. I, I really enjoyed getting to reconnect with you. Yeah, I did you too. Thanks so much and, and much love.